0: Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here are your co-hosts, Doug LaMaurice and Shahan Jeharaja. Thanks to you guys for joining us again. We're going to make our picks here on the College Football Survivor Show. We've been doing this since July, and here we are. The playoffs are actually upon us, and Shahan and I are joined today by a special guest, Tyler Shoemaker, who has his own college football power ratings that he uses to See the future. So we want to talk about sort of the gambling aspect of these two semifinal games and then we'll get to what Shahan and
1: I are actually going to pick. But Tyler, first of all, thanks for joining us here on the College Football Survivor show. Great to be here. I've uh, been a listener since the since the first episode and you know I follow you pretty much wherever you go, so um it's great to be here. You are not going to want to follow my picks.
0: So we're going to we're going to let you talk a lot first, but I I'm, I'm intrigued by Something I saw, I guess it was from BetMGM, this was a couple days ago, about where the money is so far on this game. And uh, BetMGM said 75% of the bets and 92% of the money is on Alabama in the Cotton Bowl. And that's Alabama giving 13.5 points. And then they said 74% of the bets and 68% of the money is on Michigan. And that's Michigan getting... Seven and a half points. Tyler, is that are those heavy leans in games like this, especially for Bama? If that much money is on Bama, or is that typical in something like this where people really pick a side?
1: I think I think it's typical of a Bama game. Uh, it, it's the Michigan uh, bet splits kind of kind of surprised me, especially with I mean, just before the SEC championship, I mean, everyone was acting like Georgia was the best team of all time, and so I, I would assume that. Um, people would have been really heavy on Georgia, but that's not the case. And and uh, we'll get into my number in a second, but I, I think the number is about right in this game, but the market tells me that Georgia's the side here. Shahan, are you surprised at all when you
0: see that Alabama and Michigan seem to be the favorites of the public in terms of making these bets?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's something to remember with all of this, right, is that – people have incredible recency bias. I I mean the last time that these teams played Alabama looked like the greatest team that's ever played football and Georgia looked like a joke. And uh, and same with Michigan and and obviously I think you know same with Cincinnati, right? And so I think that the value here is really just having this recency bias for so much of the betting public and especially for the alabama cincinnati game i think a lot of people not knowing a lot about cincinnati right i mean they know that they're a top four team but uh most people aren't listening to this podcast they haven't heard about the matchups they haven't uh, heard what cincinnati's path to victory is it's just alabama versus some random team from the midwest that i've never heard of did you just say most people are not listening to this podcast (laughs) I feel like that's empirically true. I I feel like, uh, there's seven billion people in this world. And, uh, you know, we, we love all of our listeners, but I think that we haven't crossed the billion mark as yet. Listen,
0: I'm not going to be greedy. If we can just get 3.5 billion. If we can get half the population at some point for this podcast, I'll be happy. I don't need more than that. All right, let's start with the Alabama-Cincinnati game then, Tyler. It's basically a two-touchdown game. It is the ultimate modern college football dynasty versus the biggest underdog, at least from a perception standpoint in the history of the college football playoff. I would argue, I think that... Cincinnati's a better team than the Washington team that made the playoff a couple of years ago, better than the Michigan State team, probably that made the playoff a couple years ago. More NFL guys, I think, across the board, but they're a group of five team. They've been this underdog story all year. They are the butler of college football. So what what are your numbers telling you about this Alabama Cincinnati matchup? And if you want to explain to the listeners a little bit sort of your system and, and how you sort of arrive at analyzing these games.
1: Yeah, so uh, I make this I make this line nine and a half. Uh, so I, I think the 13 and a half is, is really inflated. And to me, it's more about the books knowing that they're going to get a ton of Alabama action. So they can kind of protect themselves against that by offering an inflated number. Um, and earlier, I, the last time you and I had talked, the, the number was actually 14. So it has dropped a half point. I still would, would take Cincinnati plus 13 and a half. Personally, I would, I would wait live uh, and try to get a 14 just to, just to be safe and get that, uh, get that hook. But, uh, the other thing I like about this game, I'm probably not going to bet the total, but if you don't trust Cincinnati to cover, I do like the over. So the way that would break down in, in my mind is if you don't like Cincinnati to cover, then you think Alabama is going to come out and kill them and do whatever they want. And if that's the case, this game's going to go over. Uh, I, I project the the total at 59 and a half. It's currently at 57 and a half. So you're getting you know almost a field goal value there. So that's that's the way I would look to bet this game. In terms of how I arrive at at these numbers, um, there's you know, there's a lot that goes into it. Preseason projection does factor in as we've as we've discussed before. Um, but it's mostly an efficiency metric uh based on how you how you're scoring points per play um on both sides of the ball. You know, so points per play scored and points per play allowed. Uh and then I you know I've got a formula that I that I plug those numbers into and and come up with a projection.
0: Shahan, I will say that. When I look at these two games, um, two touchdowns for Cincinnati is the thing that that I like the best that, you know, we can look back and say, man, why did anybody ever think that Bama was going to lose by any, you know, win by anything less than 35 when they have Jamison Williams and Bryce Young? But I feel like 14, I think. It feels like Tyler is right that there's a little bit of a public perception inflation on this number and like football wise I just I just don't know that I think Bama is two touchdowns better than Cincinnati as a football team
2: yeah well we talked about it a little bit on yesterday's show but it feels like Bama's safest path to victory I guess you could say is just to kind of try to out physical Cincinnati right I don't think it's going to be with these dynamic playmakers I don't think it's going to be Jameson Williams you know breaking off 70 and 80 yard passes because Cincinnati's so good in the secondary that's kind of what they're built to stop in a lot of ways so if Bama plays its quote unquote perfect game I do think it could still be a little bit more of a slog that gets a little closer than maybe one that's just going to be Alabama running away and scoring 41 points
0: all right. So we'll go to the second game. Georgia is favored by seven and a half. The over under there is 45 and a half. That's a pretty low over under, isn't it? t for a semifinal like this. I mean, we know how good the Georgia defense is, but still, man,
1: that's like, that is a pretty low scoring game. It is. It is. And something that was interesting to me. So I, I project that total at 50 and a half. So again, you know, normally I'm I'm on unders and you know, Ari Wasserman, he, he, he stays on my back because he's like, will you please just bet an over? I'm sick of betting these unders. So, uh, I actually do like the over in both, both semifinals, but the interesting thing to me about this Michigan, Georgia matchup is that, uh, the last time I looked, there was like 70% of the money was on the under, but the total continued to rise because it, it was, uh, sitting at like 43 and a half or 44 earlier. So the total's going up, but most of the money is on the under, which tells me that the over is the side here. All right, so who do you like in this game? Does seven and a half feel right to
0: you based on your numbers?
1: yeah, that's it this number to me is is spot on I think my you know I, I round it, but I think it was actually my projection was like seven point two something, so I mean it is right where it needs to be but but like I said, so when I'm handicapping a game, it starts with the number, but if the number is spot on, then you know I have to look at what's the market telling me and and the market in this game is telling me. Georgia's the side. Uh, for all the reasons you guys outlined in your in your matchup breakdown, this is a terrible matchup for Michigan. I think Ohio State was a great matchup for Michigan because they could out-physical them. They cannot out-physical Georgia. Georgia, I, I think Shahan made this point. Georgia is just Michigan but with better players and more athletic players and I I, I think Michigan's going to have a hard time in this game. Um we can't forget what Georgia did all season and you know, one one game against Alabama in the SEC championship doesn't change that. Uh, so I, I think I think Georgia's the side here. And I know you have talked about this in the
0: past as someone who who has a formula and makes some bets. The the public is on Bama and Michigan, and sometimes Tishu. In the past, you have said if the public really likes something, that really makes me want to go the other
1: way. Are you feeling any of that in these two semifinals? Yeah, absolutely. That, that does, that does play a factor. And it's, so I, I do look at, you know, who the public is heavy on, uh, and, and the public is heavy in, in both of these games on Michigan and Alabama. But more so when the public is heavy on one side, but the line moves a different way. So, you know, if you've got 80% of the bets on Alabama, but the line goes from minus 14 to minus 13 and a half, that tells me that there's some smart people putting money on Cincinnati and, like I, I mentioned the same thing with Georgia-Michigan total. You know, if most of the money's on on the under, but the total continues to rise, that tells me that the over is the, the best bet in this game. All right, so your number one best bet of the
0: semifinals, either with picking a side or picking an over-under, would be what then? If somebody's like, you know what, I got I got some Christmas money, Santa came down the chimney, dropped the 10 spot right in the stocking, and it's burning a hole in my pocket. I'm ready to go big. I, I got ten bucks for one bet. T. Shoe, what is it?
1: That's tough. Uh, I, I think it would be the Michigan Georgia over. Um, if you want to split that, I would. I, I would uh, go with the Cincinnati side. Uh, it's probably a close second, but I, I think the the Georgia Michigan over. Um, you know Stetson Bennett, who we've all taken a turn at making fun of at some point, some more than others. Doug, um, he actually, I saw a stat the other day. I mean, his yards per attempt is actually really good. So they actually do have a really efficient passing game. Uh, I know we don't necessarily think of them in those terms, but I I do think they're going to be able to pass the ball a little bit. And if they can do that combined with their run game, I think they're going to score really efficiently. I I don't look for Georgia to have to punt very much in this game. And if Michigan can do anything offensively, you know, this total is so low that I I think it goes over pretty, pretty easily.
0: All right. I hope Santa brought you some cash because, T-Shoe is going to win you some money, Tyler. Uh, if people want to follow you again, college—you know—sports betting is is becoming more prevalent around the country. For instance, in the state of Ohio, it's coming in twenty twenty-two. There's a lot of states that have it already. You give out for free some picks sometimes uh, on your Twitter. How can people follow you?
1: Yeah, definitely follow me on Twitter at buckeyetie 23 uh, I give out best bets and just any any kind of betting nuggets that I come across that are, that are helpful. I give all that out for free on my Twitter. So I love, love interacting with, with people on there and, and, you know, trying to win some money together. All right.
0: T-Shu, thanks for the time, man. We will be right back after this break and Shahan and I will start making our picks on the college football survivor show. The college football survivor show where playoff survival is always on the line. Back on the college football survivor show. Thanks again to Tyler Shoemaker. We just did another pod where we did nine burning questions about the playoff: Jamison Williams, Brock Bowers, Josh Gattis, Desmond Ritter, sort of big picture stuff. Who's going to be the best running back in the play in the semifinals? Who will be the best quarterback? Which assistant coach is the most important? So, I would direct you uh, you guys to that. And then, of course, we have our Tuesday show for Apple Podcast subscribers only. If you just want a little bit more of us, it's two ninety nine a month to subscribe to that, and then you get the second show every week. We're doing an extra show this week because it's playoff week. So we're giving you two freebies and one Apple podcast show. We're going to start making our picks with Georgia, Michigan. And I will just say off the top that I don't try to be this way. I am the way I am. I am not a hot take specialist. I never say anything that I don't believe. I cannot imagine going through this career, Shahan, and like saying and writing things that you don't actually believe, because I get enough crap for people for stuff I do believe. I can't imagine just doing it but like I'll just throw it out there. even though I don't think it. I always believe what I say. But I was talking over my possible picks with my daughter on Wednesday night, and uh, she said to me, you know how you always try to be different. Just go with the general consensus sometimes because it's that way for a reason. So that might give you a little bit of an idea of how I'm thinking about this because I'm telling you, man, my best bet, I think, for these semifinals would be to go against the public and really believe that Georgia is going to handle this game against Michigan fairly easily and in a way that covers the seven and a half. But let's start with your reasoning and your pick on Georgia-Michigan
2: yeah so look georgia is not a perfect football team i think that we certainly saw that against alabama um but neither is michigan i i think that that michigan really plays into what georgia wants to do defensively especially and even even offensively i think that uh, i i think that georgia is built to kind of go up the middle and michigan's kind of built to deal with the edges in a lot of ways you know and so it's really going to come down to whether Georgia can have consistent running success because, you know, you mentioned Stetson Bennett. I I mean, Stetson Bennett on play action averages 14 yards per attempt without play action averages eight yards in attempt. He, uh, he completes 88% of his passes on screens and 59% on everything that's not a screen. So if you can make the game hard for him, and if you can stop the run and really put the game in his hands, that's how you beat Michigan or that's how you beat Georgia rather. I just don't know whether on both sides of the ball, Michigan is built to do that. Uh, I, th- I actually would probably lean towards the under. I think that, you know, Georgia hasn't allowed more than 17 points before that Alabama game. And I think their defense is going to look a little more like that. And uh, I-, I think that Georgia is going to take care of business in a game that maybe the score ends up being only like 10 or 13 points. But I think maybe never feels close.
0: So one of the things that's happening is that Daxton Hill, the best player in the Michigan secondary, has not been at the Orange Bowl site. And as we're recording this on Thursday morning, Jim Harbaugh just finished his pregame news conference. and, And I think his, to paraphrase, it was basically like Daxton Hill's questionable. It seems like he's in Ann Arbor and making his way to South Florida. He has not been with the team. It seems like maybe it is a COVID protocol situation Daxton Hill I think there's four guys on that defense again Michigan's defense is good this is not a lack of respect for Michigan but it's Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo up front Josh Ross at linebacker and Daxton Hill in the back end that really make that go take him out and that affects Michigan he's the playmaker on the back end I also do want to as we sort of an overview of both these games I think the thing you said right off the top Shahan about recency bias is really in play here and it happens all the time but You know, I was trying to run through, you know, the national sports writers. I was looking at the CBS sports picks where you are one of the national sports writers. I think you guys had seven or eight people who made their picks for both of these games, both against the spread and straight up. I was looking at some other sites. I mean, there's there's not a lot more people are on Michigan, especially against the spread. Again, people really like Michigan with the points here and. We went through the year believing that Georgia was by far the best team in the country. And we went through the year thinking Michigan's pretty good, but not a lot of people thought Michigan was going to beat Ohio State. And then Michigan kind of took it to Ohio State outside in the snow at home. I'm not taking anything away from that win, but those aren't the conditions for the Orange Bowl. And the same thing happened with Alabama. We went through the season sort of wondering about Alabama. And we went through the season being like, all right, well, Cincinnati's got to prove it every week. They better not lose. They better not lose. And then Alabama plays an excellent game. I mean, probably the best game of the year, right, for a team to beat Georgia the way Alabama beat Georgia. But there were also some specific things that happened in that game. Big plays to Jamison Williams, Stetson Bennett throwing picks. And I don't think all those conditions are in place. I'm surprised if you analyze these two semifinals, Shahan. Based on the last time these teams took the field, I think you get to where the public consensus is and where a lot of people are making their picks. If you analyze these games within the totality of the season, the consensus is wrong. Like I just – I'm confused by – I guess I'm not confused by it, but I just – you weren't exactly right. Do you feel like the recency bias is even stronger here with these two games than it often is?
2: oh i i think there's no question about it and i mean it makes sense right the last game that happened for both alabama and georgia was the game that won bryce young the heisman right i mean it's it's the game that that pushed jordan davis out of heisman consideration nobody's nobody said the words jordan davis for heisman since that day right i i mean it was an earth-shattering game in a lot of ways and i think that in a lot of ways It created an air of inevitability when it came to Alabama that just wasn't the case for a lot of the season. Now, I I mean, I think that Alabama is still probably the favorite to win the national championship, but this is the same Alabama team that needed four overtimes and a crazy run and tank bigsby to stay in bounds just to beat auburn and it's the same alabama team that lost to a very very mediocre texas a&m team and it's the same alabama team that didn't look good against a whole bunch of other teams too like lsu and florida so this team is not unbeatable and and that clip right there that i just said is why will anderson's decided that uh by only being the overwhelming favorites and not the perfect team in the history of football that actually they're being disrespected. But, but seriously, I, I mean, this is not the same level of Alabama team. I, I've mentioned it before. I think that Nick Saban seems to be enjoying the ride a little bit more this year with this team than in usual years. And I think it's because he knows this team probably isn't actually good enough to, to be here and even in a rebuilding year even in a year where the team hasn't really played all that well they still have a chance to win Nick Saban another national championship uh but you know i think that last game really is sticking real close in people's heads and and honestly it's it's hard not to right i mean because we saw a ceiling that we did not see from alabama at any other point this year
0: i do think the psychological aspect of sports comes into play in this month long break in college football almost as much as in any situation in any high-level sport in the country because you don't have breaks. They don't take a month off before the NBA finals. They don't take a month off before the World Series. It is an odd wrinkle, uh, a remnant of college football's past, a nod to the fact that, hey, you have finals, and you got to go home for Christmas and whatever, but that you have a month to think about this, and you don't know which way it's going to go. But I think it matters because are you rusty or are you geared up? are you fired up or are you overconfident? And my second year covering college football was Ohio state versus Florida in the 2006 national championship game. When Ohio state was undefeated number one, the whole year with the Heisman trophy winner and Florida, some people, you know, kind of backed in because some other teams lost late and urban Meyer was making up fake headlines to hang in the locker room to get Florida fired up about how nobody believed in Florida. And they came out and, Tore Ohio State apart for other, you know, Ted Ginn Jr. got hurt on the opening kickoff. That mattered too. And again, I remember third grade Jahan thinking to himself, third grade Jahan said, uh, teacher, do you think Ohio State's going to win or Florida's going to win? And they said, Jahan, please work on your multiplication tables. We're not here to talk about
2: college football. Hey, seventh grade Jahan, seventh Sorry. grade Jahan.
0: But I was there and the psychological mattered. So in this Michigan Georgia game, I think Georgia off the bama loss i hate silver linings there's nothing i hate more in sports than like well a team was trying to win and they lost and it was the best thing for them i was like can you just lose and wallow in your misery is that okay losing is not always a silver lining i do think georgia's a little unburdened though so i the bottom line is i think georgia will play closer to the best version of georgia the Georgia that we saw for most of the year. And I think Michigan, which did have that underdog, nobody believes in us label at home against an Ohio State team with some clear defensive flaws, now they feel good. Georgia, Georgia's like, oh man, Bama beat us, let's go. Michigan's like, yes, we want to bottle what we have. But the bottom line is Georgia has more good players. So uh, this is a situation where the more talented team also has more of the underdog drive. And the less talented team, not that Michigan's not talented, but the less talented team is feeling confident. I don't like any part of that. I don't like Daxton Hill not being around. I don't like the style of play matchup at all. And I think it's very possible that Georgia, like, wins, like, 38-7. to Like, I think that kind of game is on the line where it's like, it's not that Michigan's bad, but this is them – getting on the big stage for the first time, but maybe they're not quite ready to break through and play at the highest level yet. I think the Michigan program is on the upswing. They deserve a ton of credit. I do not think this is their day. So I like Georgia a lot. I'm not going to go as huge with the scores. I just said, my final prediction is Georgia 31, Michigan 17, I'll take the slight over. I was dancing around with the numbers. I was right on the over-under 45.5 line. I don't have strong feelings on that either way like T. Shue does, but I have very strong feelings about given the 7.5 with Georgia. My final score is 31-17, and that's my best bet. Georgia minus the 7.5 is the thing I feel best about in these semifinals. What is your final score prediction, Shahan?
2: Yeah, I think I'm going to go somewhere like 27 to 10. Again, just a game that doesn't feel that close. Uh, I, I mean, the thing is, right, you talk about sort of the psychological side of football, and I do think that psychology, especially in college football, does matter, right? Because these are 18 to 22-year-olds. These are people who haven't, you know, it's not Tom Brady who's played in, you know, 10 Super Bowls, right? Like, these are guys who have never really been on this stage before on both sides. So I think, though, that Georgia you know to be frank i i think that georgia is psychologically disadvantaged against alabama i think that they look across the field and they're like oh my god that's alabama that's nick saban we've been working all year long for this moment i hope we can do it sort of thing um and and i just think that and and i think that this will be true if they play in the national championship too right like i think that this is i think that this is something that's in the back of their mind i don't think that michigan means anything to them as a concept right I mean they're they're just a team they're just another team that they're gonna play they've got good players they've got a lot of players who are gonna be in the NFL I think honestly you know this is a 17 point uh, game that I'm predicting I think that if they played either of the other two teams in the playoff they'd be much better suited to win the game. But this is the nightmare matchup for Michigan. I I think that they're built to play Alabama in a lot of ways. I think they would have loved that matchup. Uh, And Cincinnati, I think that they probably could have, you know, put together a good game plan for. I just don't know what the game plan is for Michigan, right? I I don't know what they're going to do that Georgia isn't prepared for that Georgia can't deal with. I I feel like I know that for every other team in the playoff, even what they would do against Georgia. I, I don't know what Michigan can do to, to kind of raise their ceiling. I I again I mentioned it on yesterday's show. I feel like uh I feel like Mike McDonald just has to play his game. I feel like Todd Monkin for Georgia, the offensive coordinator, and Dan Lanning just have to do what they do. And Josh Gaddis has to do something crazy because what they do standardly is not good enough.
0: And if you're looking for anything to push over the top, again, Michigan not having one of its five best players in Miami at the moment, the day before the game is, is something also that's not great for Michigan. All right. So Shahan and I are both pretty strongly Georgia giving the points in that one. We'll come back and do the cotton bowl next on the college football survivor show, the college football survivor show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Doug and Shahan, Shahan, you have the option to disassociate yourself with this podcast and with me uh, after you hear my pick for this game, I just want to. Oh boy! I just want to remind people again. I don't want to be this way. I can't help it. I'm not a contrarian on purpose, but I think deep in my soul, there's just something in there. It's maybe it's because I think everybody's an idiot. That that could that could not not the listeners of this podcast, just everybody else. The other, you know, the, the our little portion, the other seven billion can cram it. But the but the handful of people who have chosen to spend time with us every week on the College Football Survivor Show, you guys, you guys are really smart. So I'm going to get this out of the way first, and I just have to – I have to do this. I don't want anyone to know this. I'm not going to brag if I'm right. I will take the slings and arrows if I'm wrong, but I have to go by what I think or I'm going to feel – I'm going to feel bad about myself. I'm going to feel worse about myself than I usually do. It's not like I'm walking around being like, oh, man, I am Doug LaMaurice. Mostly I'm like, oh, I'm just trying to get through the day. But I'd feel even worse. I'm going to pick Cincinnati to win. And this is why. I think the matchups in multiple ways are in their favor. And I just think that an Alabama team that lost to Texas A&M, that two games ago should have lost to Auburn, A couple games before that, probably should have lost to LSU. I do not think that we are going to get the A-plus Alabama, not with a month off. I'm not predicting a Heisman hangover from Bryce Young, but we sure as heck have seen him sometimes in, in college football bowl season for guys that you go win that and You've been this sort of underdog first-year starter the whole year, and all of a sudden you're the Heisman winner. And now you're going out and playing a game as a Heisman winner for the first time. I think Bryce Young has shown that he is unbelievably mature and smart and poised for a young quarterback. But he's still a first-year starting quarterback who just won the Heisman. Going against a great Cincinnati secondary and a much more veteran quarterback, and I just like the matchup in every way. And if you don't get A-plus Bama, it's on, man. It's on. And a year ago, Cincinnati in a bowl game against a Georgia team that I don't think was all that different from this Alabama team. Cincinnati was right there. They didn't win, but they were right there all game. And now I think they're better. So I I, I don't – I tried to look, Shahan. I, I found like one person. Like Oh, there's 20 national guys on this site making picks and 20 national guys over here. I found one person that picked Cincinnati. I didn't know. I'm not trying to be the guy so I can take credit that 100 people picked Bama and two picked Cincinnati, and I was one of them. I just have to be true to my analysis of the game. And there's just like everything we've done since this matchup came out. Shahan was like, well, like the Cincinnati secondary. Well, maybe Cincinnati can get a pass rush against this hole at right tackle for Alabama. Well... Alabama has basically two playmakers in the passing game, and one of them's out, okay? Like, well, one's a young quarterback, one's a veteran quarterback. I just – it's Cincinnati, 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 Cincinnati. On Bama's side is more good players, which is easy to do. I mean, that, that that's the trump card. That could be the thing. You may slam that down on the table. More good players. What am I going to say? But But Cincinnati's <laughs> got NFL guys at key positions, and I'm going to take Cincinnati – because I'm I'm certainly not going to have it come down to a Cincinnati game-winning field goal because we know they have the worst kicking game in college football. So no field goals for them. It's going to be more like Bama has the ball late and Sauce Gardner intercepts Bryce Young on the 11-yard line with 17 seconds left. More like that kind of thing. I I just have to do it. I have
2: to pick Cincinnati. So I did, which is what I love Cincinnati plus 13 and a half. Yeah. No, I I think that Cincinnati plus 13 and a half is an absolute no brainer. I I don't even really understand the like game script that gets Alabama to a a 17 point victory, right? I mean, I I don't even know what that really looks like. I I, I certainly am picking Cincinnati to cover. That's easy. Um I don't know if I can get all the way there. And and yes, it's because I'm afraid of disrespecting Bama. I'm afraid i'm afraid uh i do think that it's going to be really close i think that it's probably going to be a little lower scoring than uh than people expect because i do think that these teams match up pretty well um you know we talk about with michigan like just getting the worst matchup for them you're right cincinnati's getting the best matchup for them That this is you know what alabama has been this year plays right into Cincinnati's hands on the defense side of the ball. I I think that I'm worried about whether Cincinnati will be able to score. Uh, I think that they'll be able to score a little bit. And I mean, the one thing that I'll say, like last season, um, Jerome Ford rushed for 97 yards against Georgia. Now 79 of that came on a breakaway, but like Georgia's rush defense is, you know, last year was as good as Bama's. And so they were able to move the ball a little bit. Um, and I mean, the other thing that you say about that, too, last year is that, you know, Cincinnati took a two touchdown lead in the third quarter and kind of just like ran out of steam. Right. And and so I don't think that this Alabama team is more physical than that Georgia team. I don't think that they're a whole lot better than that Georgia team, especially with the way that that Georgia team was playing by the end of the year. But now I feel like uh now I feel like unfortunately you brought it up. I feel like it's going to be a close game and Cincinnati's going to have a chance to make it close and then that kicking game's going to come up. Oh god, why You can't it? leave points on the board if you're Cincinnati. That's a huge deal to me, the idea that Cincinnati might not be able to convert three, that they might not be able to turn a good drive into one that delivers points, right? I I expect that there will be at least one missed field goal for Cincinnati. Uh, and in a game that I think is going to be really tight, probably going to be a little bit of a defensive struggle. I, I can't believe it, but apparently we're in a position where I'm saying you just got to trust Alabama's kicking game a little bit more. (laughs) And So I think it's going to be really low scoring. I think that it's going to be a one score game. I'm going to go 2117 Bama. So, so part of it was like, I I was in that range for a while and it was
0: like, why am I not picking Cincinnati? And is it just because the perception of it? And it's like, the answer is yes. <laughs> if I, if I think it's going to be that close and I think they have a lot of good matchups, then like, then just do it. And just, then they just pick them to win. And I also do think, I, I'm curious about the idea of like Cincinnati coming out and like scoring early and it, being like, oh. Oh, wait, they they are really good because I just my guess would be that Saban is telling them, look, they're good. They're good. They're good. They're good. They're good. Look at Ritter. Look how good Ritter is. Look at how good Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner are. Look at how good Alec Pierce is. Look at how good these tight ends are. I know he's doing that, but it's and it's not a slight to the Bama guys. I bet it's hard for them to believe it. Yeah, the the film is against Tulane. (laughs) Right, and they're going against Texas A&M and LSU and Florida and Georgia, and they're saying, what? Come come on, man. It's like, for real? I can't I, – I just – I imagine that's in there, and that if they hit a 50-yarder to Alec Pierce or Trey Tucker hits a little slant and go, or Jerome Ford pops through a hole and all of a sudden it's on, I just – I'm curious – Will that bring out the animal in Alabama? And they'll be like, okay. Or will they be like, holy moly. And then they'll be back on their heels a little bit. And then you let Ritter be Ritter. I I just think – again, I voted – maybe I love Desmond Ritter too much. I voted Desmond Ritter third on my Heisman ballot. I think he finished eighth. Um, He is is the exact quarterback for this team in this situation. I – Right, like I, don't, I wouldn't want CJ Stroud, CJ in this game for this team. CJ Stroud at Ohio State is a first-year quarterback. He's awesome. Give me the guy in his fifth year who's been there from the jump, who was recruited by Tommy Tuberville, who was inherited by Luke Fickle, who has played and played and played and seen it all and been on a team that for two years hasn't been able to lose a regular-season game, or everything would explode. Give me them. Give me that guy cuz I don't think that guys going to be scared of bama. And I think in the end, I think this is I think Cincinnati is unburdened because they've gotten there. I think Cincinnati will play its best game and I don't think Alabama will play as well as they did against Georgia for psychological and matchup reasons. And if then you get the best of Cincinnati and you get some version of the bama team that played LSU, Auburn or Texas A&M, that's why I think Cincinnati can win and that's what I think you're going to get. If you get the team that beat Georgia then it's over. I just don't think you're gonna get that and then again we can't overlook Mechie being out. I, you know I was listening to something on you know the ESPN Bowl game I don't know the other and it's like oh John and like it's you just make these assumptions at places with super talented guys that you can lose an elite player and just fill in with the next elite younger player and I believe that when you lose guys to the NFL, that when you have a whole off season, you can get guys ready. And and we overdo it sometimes with losses, but in the middle of a year, late in the year, in the last game, when that guy's been working with the second team all year and Mechie's been the leading receiver in terms of number of receptions, I don't think you flip a switch on
2: that. And I think that's really going to affect Alabama. And, you know, one other thing that I'll mention is that, so against Georgia out of, out of halftime, Jamison Williams has a breakaway touchdown for 55 yards. Right after that, and after Georgia's had a chance to make their halftime adjustments, right? Alabama goes punt, 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 field goal, end of game. So even after the second quarter of that Georgia game, Alabama wasn't really that team, you know. And so it's tough. I, I mean, I, I think that I, I think that it does come down to. Can Cincinnati generate consistent offense? And and here's what I'll say, right? If they do hit on a big play early, I think that that could be a, a decisive type blow. If Jerome Ford breaks away for one big run for a touchdown, if Alec Pierce catches one big pass for a touchdown, if Desmond Ritter breaks away and runs for a touchdown, I, I think that Cincinnati needs one of those plays. And Alabama's defense is built to stop them. That, that's the biggest thing about it if they can get one of those plays, I mean, if they can get two, then like, that's the path, right? Th- then I think that they should win the game if they get two of those kinds of plays. Um, You know, Cincinnati hasn't been a super-duper explosive offense all year, but they do have guys. We mentioned Trey Tucker yesterday. Jerome Ford is, you know, no longer the former Alabama running back. He's one of the best running backs in the nation playing at Cincinnati. Desmond Ritter knows how to take what's there. So I think they're going to need to hit on one or two explosive plays to make this happen. Cause I I do think that they're going to struggle to put together consistent offense, but the flip side is I don't expect Alabama to have explosive plays either. And I'll be curious to see if it is a lot of dinking and dunking. You know what? I mean, we kind of joke about it. I mean, we saw Patrick Mahomes through the first, you know, five or six games of this year kind of struggle because he's playing this too high look and it's boring to throw eight yard passes. It is not fun to have to make consistent reads and throw intermediate passes and, you know, have to put together touchdown drives that are 13 plays. That is no fun. And if you're Bryce Young and you're used to, to doing everything against anyone, you know what? Maybe you just count on him to make a mistake. Maybe you, you as a Cincinnati defense try to keep the game in front of you and just wait for him to mess up. But I, I I just can't get there because it's Bama and, uh, you know, it, if if it wasn't Bama and it was these exact same teams, I probably would go the other way. But it's Bama and the greatest coach in the history of college football.
0: You look at Cincinnati's biggest game of the year against Notre Dame. They jump out 17-0. Then Notre Dame in the second half starts coming back, cuts to 17-13, and then Desmond Ritter leads a six-play, 75-yard touchdown drive to put it away in the back half of the fourth quarter. That game, Jerome uh, Ford ran 17 times for 71 yards. Alec Pierce, six catches for 144. Desmond Ritter threw for 297 and two touchdowns. I think, like, that kind of formula, get a little bit of a lead. Bama comes back. Don't panic. Ritter puts it away. I- you know, doesn't mean that they can't. Cincinnati can't win if Bama gets out ahead, but I think that kind of a version of a game, I, I think is is part of the path to Cincinnati pulling off this huge gigantic upset. But in the end, um, as much as I'm talking, I'm like I'm picking Cincinnati to win, but I'm still saying Georgia giving the points against Michigan is my best bet because I'm picking this. It's what I actually think. But come on, man, like Bama could win by 21. It'd be like I I don't want to <laughs> right. I mean, it guess the talent edge is different enough the georgia michigan game i'm willing to give the seven and a half with the more talented team i think they have a significant enough talent edge that georgia i'm comfortable giving these points this i like the 13 and a half but i wouldn't bet as much money on it if you know what i mean like i i'm i think this is very possible but again will anderson bryce young jamison williams that's kind of tough so okay don't i mean i was gonna say don't yell at me Go ahead, go ahead and yell at me. Just please, please take it sincerely. I'm begging, I'm begging you. I, I, my my stupidity is not an act.
2: It is earned. It is real. So, it's just what I think I will say I- you know the, the funny thing is, right? Like I think that I think that sometimes for me I I sometimes do the opposite, right? Like, when I feel like I believe something, I almost, like, question it, especially when it's, per se, something that, like, I've looked at for long enough, right? So, so one example is, like, you know, with me, I mean, I graduated from Baylor, right? And, like, I covered Baylor for a while. I'm still around the team quite a bit. Like, I am so afraid to say that I think Baylor's going to be good because, like, I just think that I might be being stupid, right? Like, heading into this year, I'm like... Ah they might be like a nine win team. I think they might be pretty good, even though they went two and seven last year. And I'm like, I'm never going to say that out loud because if they're, you know, it might just be me. It might just be me being stupid. Uh, and like, I was right, right? Like I, I thought that that team had a chance to be good and I was right. And heading into this game, I'm like, man, Cincinnati, they match up really well. I'd love to see it happen. Like, I think they would be great for the sport. But maybe I'm just being stupid. Maybe, maybe I'm just talking myself into it. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just gaslighting myself. And so I, I once again am uh, am going a little bit against my gut and, and sticking with Bama because I just who knows? Maybe I'm just being stupid.
0: I'll just tell you, Shahan, little advice from an old guy to a young guy. I have been true to myself since I got into this profession, and I am currently the co-host of a podcast listened to by 3.5 billion people. So. <laughs> What else do you want? <laughs> Proofs in the pudding, brother. All right. Thanks to you guys for listening to our Picks Pod. We invite you to go back, listen to our Wednesday Pod, nine burning questions about the two semifinals. Tuesday Pod was Apple Podcast listeners only, but we talked about Stetson Bennett a lot in that game. And then again, during this month, we did a huge hour long breakdown on Cincinnati, Alabama, a huge hour long breakdown on Georgia michigan we sort of outlined some of our thoughts even deeper on those two podcasts you can find them in the feed where you're listening to this for now so next week we're not going to jump on and do stuff like right after the semifinals because it's new year's day and there's a bunch of other bowl stuff going on we'll be back next week though and we'll have the tuesday show we'll have the wednesday show we might have some other special stuff planned next week we'll let you guys know but for now For Shahan J. Haraja of CBS Sports Where, by the way, Shahan has been doing a lot of breakdowns Of of what's going on in bowl season He did a really good piece about Cincinnati And why they might be able to hang with Bama Go read him at CBS Sports And uh, again, just for everybody Who's been here from the beginning Or jumped in along the way, thanks so much For doing that, we certainly appreciate it For Shahan, I'm Doug And that was the College Football Survivor Show The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.